bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad I'm a black man in a white world. I'm a black man in a white world. If I wasn't a Christian man, I'd probably be kicking in your ass. Welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. May is my favorite month. And May is also Mental Health Month. And we'll continue that discussion here next, here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air condition as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast, prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Just like you. Music. 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 I got my Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's my pleasure to welcome today's guest. Mm. He's a comp- he was a comp- competitive cyclist. He's passionate about men's health. He's a licensed marriage and family therapist. And today we're going to talk about mental health and sports psychology. I'd like you to welcome today's guest, Michael Seeley. How are you doing, Michael? I'm doing great, JB. How are you? Oh, just fine. A little tired, but aren't we all these days? Yeah. Um, I'm going to start off without having gone back into puberty there. <laughs> <laughs> Happens to me too. I hear you. Um, I'm going to start off with a very, I guess some people would say basic, but un, uh, fundamental uh, mental question. Sure. Um, where is mental health in this country right now? I think mental health in this country is at a stage where people are becoming more and more aware of how important it is. I think that, you know, we've all seen with, uh, you know, the pandemic and the isolation of lockdowns um, kind of coming to the the front burner, if you will, like things that have been kind of festering for a while have really um, come to the fore. And so I think it's, you know, a positive spin on some of the things that we've been seeing is it's an actually an opportunity to talk more. Bless you, sir. Thank you. Oppor- opportunity to talk more about um, about mental health because we've seen, you know, the manifestation of uh, you know isolation with lockdowns, et cetera. Right. Um, so I think where it's at right now is there's a lot more awareness about it. I think that's great, and now we need to start taking some positive actions to to help people. Right. Um, So when do you think that this country kind of lost touch with um, dealing with mental health or how it handled mental health? Mm -hmm. I don't know if it necessarily lost touch with it. Um, I think that, um, again, the pandemic was this this thing where you saw some underlying issues that it had been – kind of people have been able to sort of suppress or people weren't really talking about. And that just sort of came to the fore. Um, So I think it's, uh, you know, on the positive side, most people are doing, are doing pretty well with their mental health. I think that 
some people not so much, but just in general, the entire country uh, experienced, I would say, sort of a you know, post-traumatic stress, uh, like a collective uh, for group anxiety. Like that was the really first time in a long time something, you know, uh, that has come along for this country, uh, this, that, this stressful. Um, so I think, you know, um, again, it's, it's a lot of awareness right now that's going on about it. Um, and I think that the people just need to start taking some steps at all levels, you know, at schools, um, I'm interested in sports. That's one of the things I really do. Mental health for athletes, um, also in the workplace, um, just a lot more education about mental health, um, uh, destigmatizing counseling and therapy in general. Um, I think that is, is something that's still, we've made a lot of strides in that, um, but I think we still have a long way to go there to take the stigma away from reaching out for help. Like it's not a sign of weakness. You're not, you know, nothing wrong with you just it's okay to do that so i think that's really the first work that has to happen is destigmatizing um, yeah. mental health yeah that's a good uh statement i'm gonna follow up with that um because mm-hmm. uh, you know um in certain communities that is frowned upon to yeah. be uh to be uh mental health aware or to yeah. seek help and right. I'm African American, and that's one of the communities where that takes place. Mm-hmm. And also, I'm a male, and that's another yeah. group oh, that yeah. that seems to, um, you know, if you do that, then you're weak, or right. you, or you know, right. they're going to control you or whatnot. How are ways that that uh, that stigma can be taken away? Yeah, um, you know, depending on the community, I'll take. Um, for example, men, that's a focus of my therapy practice is, is working exclusively with men. I want to have all my space available for that. Um, I also have a, a therapist directory in the San Francisco Bay Area. It's called Men's Therapy Directory. And it's like a, a one-stop shop for, for men. And again, destigmatizing mental health for men. So it goes, this goes, you know, by example, I'll You've probably heard of uh, some some high-profile athletes, men who've been speaking out mm-hmm. about mental health. Michael Phelps is probably the first person who comes to mind there. Um, Kevin Love of the Cleveland Cavaliers is yes. pretty open about some of his struggles as well. Um, so, you know, you know, it's just normalizing within the subcultures that it's okay to seek help and not putting it in terms of like some sort of clinical diagnosis or problem or you're crazy or something like that but more in the kind of the terms of um like lean on your teammates sort of like a sports metaphor so if you're a guy and you're in a in a community where i don't want to stereotype but let's say like a construction worker you know like Mm -hmm. guys working kind of hard all day and you may not be wanting to be talking about quote-unquote sensitive issues but i like to, to frame it in terms of if you have um, guy friends, look at them as like teammates on a sports team. Would you, wouldn't you want to, like if, if you flip it and you go, if someone came to you and said, hey, JB, you know, I'm feeling, I'm feeling kind of down. I don't really know what's up. Do you got a sec? Like, would you say to that, that guy, would you say, hey, man, you're weak? Or <laughs> would you be like, hey, man, I'm just, tell me more, you know, tell me more. Right. So I think if you flip it like that, um, and it's, it's, it's like, we're all on the same team, you know, like lean on your teammate right. and it's less of like, uh, I'm weak or, you know, I, uh, I have a mental health, um, clinical diagnosis and that makes you feel like you're sick or something. It's more like, look, you're human and, um, anxiety, depression symptoms are universal throughout time. Like everyone's experienced them. And so uh, to pretend not is just, you know not good <laughs> um you uh the example you gave i lived for for a good while i uh actually worked in college athletics i was an athletic equipment manager and um i had many of athletes and even coaches mm-hmm. and co-workers who would make that statement to me 
And I think I got pretty good at saying, hey, what's going on? Mm-hmm. That's all yeah. I would say. Right. You know, yeah. And, and that's that's really that's it. If you can just, you know, open the door for somebody by saying that, and that's um, that's it. Right. So it's, it's having the, the courage to, you know, if one of your athletes or one of your one of your friends is, is looking a little off. Don't ignore that. Just reach out. So it, it takes a part of reaching out if you notice someone's a little off, even if it's really subtle. And then you, if you're experiencing that, and by the way, like, I don't know the exact statistic, but essentially every, every American is going to be at a level of clinical diagnosis of some mental disorder within their lifetime. That means in a, like a, a two-week stretch or a right. year stretch or something like that. So that if you're experiencing something personally where you feel off, have the courage to uh, to reach out and lean on somebody. Um, so it's, it goes both ways, you know, noticing someone, noticing a friend, and then if you're experiencing it, um, reaching out to a friend. And again, with that, flipping it, like if somebody came to me, a friend came to me asking for help, I wouldn't think they're weak or I wouldn't reject them or anything like that, you know. So um, <clears throat> during the pandemic and since... Uh, we're heading toward the endemic. Mm-hmm. Um, with all the stress, ha- has this country probably become a little like more anxious and uh, a little bit more um, quick to snap, or or am I just guessing? <laughs> <laughs> you're not guessing. I think you're tuning in. I think there is a collective, uh, slightly higher level of anxiety. I think whenever um, a group of people experiences chronic ongoing anxiety, especially the kind of anxiety which you don't have a lot of control over, right? So if, uh, obviously a virus, right, it's pretty hard to control. So that if the nature of the anxiety, like we saw, um, you know, during uh, the Cold War between you know Russia and the United States, the threat of nuclear war. So that's something that's one of those background fears that's chronic mm-hmm. and with uh, the pandemic it got really ratcheted up and it was a long time so if you leave like the burners on that long um that is going to you can kind of up reestablish your your new baseline level of stress and you get used to it and then it becomes kind of normalized and i think that um fortunately we're we're ratcheting down that anxiety but uh, this the whole world has been experiencing sort of a collective uptick right. in anxiety. And I think that some people have kind of recovered and some people haven't, they're still kind of stuck there. Um, so, you know, I think a couple of years down the road, hopefully not, but we may be seeing some more kind of um, chronic PTSD symptoms, uh, things like that. And I'm hoping that doesn't happen, but I suspect there may be some, some problems with that. You had mentioned that isolation can mm-hmm. be a cause of uh, mental strain or men- oh. uh, uh, what are some things that people could do to um, uh, not be isolated? Yeah, um, just to, the best thing you can do is do some add some structure to your life so that you have accountability so you have to show up in social situations. Um, certainly during like the, the pandemic, it became more normal to stay inside and do your own thing, be glued to Zoom for your um, meetings and stuff like that. Um, one thing you can do is join, you know, like a, a running a running club if you want to get athletic or if you're into chess, join a chess club or join some sort of a, a social group that forces you on a schedule to get out of your house to mix it up and people may be anxious about that but once you start going you get used to it you like it so the you know the quick answer is get some structure in your life where there's some social accountability where you have to show up or something yeah during that period i uh i normally play old man baseball in the summer and Mm -hmm. the league was shut down for Mm -hmm. the the first summer Mm -hmm. and um you know, I was a runner, but I just basically, you know, I run by myself. Yeah. And the things that I did to kind of, I had to go to work because I was deemed an essential personnel. Uh-huh. Uh, 
So that was helpful to get up, stay in that, you know, mode of getting up, showering, driving to work, work, come home. But then you'd come home, I'd come home and, you know, it's like, okay, what do I do now? Yeah. So I started a podcast. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, started a, a business where I repair mainly gloves, but athletic equipment. And that yeah. got me to move and see people and, you know, and do things and whatnot. So I, I was at least putting out some type of uh, offense yeah. to, to uh, move forward. Yeah, that's that's a great way to put it. You know, going on offense because I think that uh, the whole world has kind of been on defense, and we we're talking about you know the pandemic, um, and so yeah, good for you for just knowing that you had to go on offense and creating creating that structure. Um, structure is so huge. You know, um, you can have the the best uh, positive self talk, mental fortitude in the world, but if if your structure is off. If your routine is off, that's gonna that's gonna really upset things. Um, so that you know, when I work with people in my in my therapy practice, that's something that I see that's fairly typical. If someone's going through something tough, there there's almost always like the structure of their of their day or routine might be off somehow. Something that they used to do that they're no longer doing, and that's um, you know not the magic pill, but like if you get your structure dialed in, um, going to bed at the same time, waking up at the same time, um, having a morning routine where you're doing a little bit of exercise or uh, gratitude journaling, something that you're doing every single day that's uh, positive and predictable, that, you know, that helps so much. Let me, uh, I'll ask this question. Is there such thing as burnout? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. Um, we could talk about it uh, just in terms of sports. This might be the sure. The, that's the where easiest, I was, that's yeah. where I was going to yeah. hit. Yeah, the, I mean, it applies to your job and work too. Um, apply it to relationships as well. Burnout is that point. I'll call it of frustration, where you're you're so frustrated that you you feel that the solution is to quit or withdraw. So not go on offense anymore, but go on like extreme defense. So it's, it's a point of kind of overwhelm, I'll call burnout, overwhelm and frustration, where you're so caught up in the negativity that you don't see any positive solutions. And, and sometimes with athletes, burnout can be caused by overtraining. Uh, so it's a legitimate, yeah, maybe you de- do need to go on defense and rest and take, you know, two weeks off or something like that. Same thing with work. Sometimes all you need is a vacation. But generally, burnout is indicative of something that's maybe the structure needs to change. Um, you're doing something that's not sustainable. Or there's something about your, your mental attitude about what you're doing that is causing you to overthink things or to doubt yourself or to kind of make um, mountains out of molehills or something like that. But yeah, burnout is real. Um, and there, there is a way out of it. Definitely, you know, talking to at least a friend about it, talking to a counselor about it. It's, uh, it happens probably to everyone at some point. Um, it could be an extreme form of burnout or a light form, right? But it, it, it does happen to, to us all, for sure. Yeah, you, you spoke of some athletes, but you, uh, you see people like the tennis player uh, Naomi Right, Osaka. Osaka, and mm-hmm. um, are you even like Ben Simmons, the basketball player, who sat out this year? He he has back issues, but he's spoken about mental health, and yeah. some, you, you hear some commentators almost to the point that they were saying that he's hiding or using that as an excuse. Uh-huh. Yeah. What would you say to somebody who who would even? think to say something like that well you know the immediate um reaction the tempting one is to be angry and think that person making that negative comment about ben simmons is you know is stupid or or whatever but i think it comes really from a place of lack of education or lack of awareness about mental health um you saw that also with uh you remember simone biles dropping out 
of the Olympics and how she got really criticized about that. She was using it, you know, a, her mental health as a crutch or whatever. Um, I think it's just really a lack of awareness. Um, it's when you're really in it, either anxiety or depression, it is physiological. It's not just mental. Like right. you feel it in your whole body and you, you actually can't perform. Uh, so it's very legitimate. So the criticism of, you know, athletes being soft or weak, leaning on their mental health as an excuse, it comes from a place of just lack of education, a lack of awareness. Um, so I don't, I don't feel, you know, uh, angry at people who say that. I just think that they're just kind of uninformed, you know. Yeah, she had what was what they call in the gymnastics world the, the twisties. Yep. But yep. you also hear things like golfers and baseball players mm -hmm. had the yips. Right. And yep. um, these are things that they do and practice and perform over and over again without a problem. And all of a sudden, just like a snap of a finger, it becomes yep. the, the hardest thing in the world for them to, yeah. to do. Why is that? You know, it makes me think of uh, the yips. I don't know if you remember this baseball player. Um, I think it was the Mets, Mackie Sasser, mm -hmm. back in the, like, uh, in the 80, like early 80s maybe. Yeah. Um, there's, a, there's, a great, um, there's a great film on YouTube if you just Google Mackie Sasser um, about it, Mackie Sasser. And uh, the term is brain spotting. It's a type of therapy um, to work with post-traumatic stress disorder. Um, and he actually had some success way post his career with using brain spotting. But um, the yips or, you know, athletes who are performing really, really well, and then all of a sudden kind of fall into this weird rut or a slump or get the, you know, the twisties or something like that. A lot of times, I'm not saying all the time, it can come from an earlier either childhood trauma or a, a trauma in their um, athletic career or some sort of a trauma where that it was, um, kind of a life and death um, type of situation that left a mark and that the uh, anxiety challenges of their sport exacerbate that, that earlier trauma and bring it to the surface. And um, it's, that can just be debilitating. So the, the PTSD of that earlier trauma oftentimes, and that was the issue with uh, this Mackie Sasser, this baseball player, uh, that he, there was a childhood trauma that he, you know, apparently didn't really address and it came to the fore. Um, so, and, and by the way, um, I think pretty much if, if you're a human being, you're going to experience a, tr a traumatic episode of something in your life. So the, the trauma is basically something that's like a life threatening, or you have a loved one who's really experienced something that's life threatening that affects you. So PTSD is, is real. It affects us all. Um, and so athletes can, you know, they have this image of, I've got it all together. I'm a high performer. Um, but there's stuff that's under the surface that could be lurking. And oftentimes athletes will use their sport as sort of a, um, a way to deal with some trauma, earlier trauma in their life, or a way to kind of handle and cover up depression. And then when the challenges get really high, they can... They can get the yips. They can get burnout. Um, they're not immune to uh, to that stuff. Can this stuff lead to alcohol abuse and drug addiction? Yep, yep. So, I mean, um, speaking of baseball, like Daryl Strawberry comes to mind. Right. Um, and he had some, he had a pretty rough childhood, you know, and I think that um, athletes can use what we call um, – a substance that's not so uh, not so helpful to to deal with your anxiety or depression symptoms. Um, so yeah, it's um, everyone is susceptible to using drugs or alcohol as a way to just to cope. And really, you know, I think JB, the way you put it is great. You go on offense, and that's the it's the most daunting thing when you have a mental health issue is leaning into it. And you want to run from it. You want to run from the anxiety. You want to hide from the depression. And, and you, that's what you want to do. But if you go into it with some guidance, um, it can be a transformative, like really growing experience. Yeah, I've 
doing my adult baseball career, I've <laughs> I've de- developed the yips a couple of times. Once mm-hmm. playing catcher, I couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. Uh-huh. <laughs> and I yeah. would literally scream, throw the ball, <laughs> and uh-huh. everybody would stare at me, and I would say, don't worry about it, I'm okay. And, yeah. <laughs> which is also a famous scene from uh, – Major League Two, they had a character that um, couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher, and uh-huh. they, they used uh, Playboy magazine to get it off <laughs> his head and whatnot. Uh-huh. And then, as a first baseman, again, I couldn't throw the ball back to the pitcher. You know, after yeah. after a pickoff move or a yep. throw over the first base, and it just a normal lob to the pitcher became like this mm-hmm. big deal. <laughs> like, yeah. Don't spike it. Don't throw it over his head. Don't, don't. And it's like, you know, literally I would have to stop and go, just throw the ball. (laughs) Right. Right. Yeah. Well, that's, uh, you know, that's your, your brain getting in the way of, of your body. Right. So a lot of times you'll see, um, in the sports that where there's some pauses, uh, where you're not running, you know, aerobically or not really exerting yourself like, uh, like baseball or like golf or gymnastics um, where you have too much time to think. Right. That's, that's when you can get some of these, these sports related issues of performance of, you know, uh, being anxious or getting the yips or going into a batting slump or whatever. Um, or the more athletic or the more sports that have a lot demand, a lot more athletically, you know, say like, you know, marathon running or hundred yard you know, hundred meter dash or things like that. There's less of an issue of um, kind of being frozen up, like you were describing, because you you just you have to do something flat out red line. You know, right. So, what is it? I guess I'll use mental makeup, or mm-hmm. uh, I think this is a term that's overused, but mentality of the uh, top flight athlete. What what is their state of mind that gets them to push even further than most of us? Well, I'd say the combination of things. Um, I'd say number one, it's, um, I'll call it hunger or desire or drive. Just this really, yeah, like a hunger of just really wanting to be competitive and vanquish and dominate. Now that can be channeled in a positive way. Like when I say that people might react, well, that sounds, you know, kind of negative wanting to dominate, but it's, it's a game, Mm -hmm. it's sports. um, And you see it with really the top athletes is they're very, they're very intense, very driven. Um, Sometimes they don't outwardly show that, but they're just very, very driven. Um, And if you, I'll call that like a fire. So if you can control that fire and you understand that you have that burning inside of you, you're able to control that and modulate that. You can really use that to to drive your motivation for your sport. I would say another thing that the top, top level athletes have is real resiliency or like playing the long game, being able to bounce back after a defeat, um, not take it hard personally, just really be resilient and, and get right back their focus right back on, on winning. That would be the second thing. So, you know, uh, fire drive is number one, resiliency number two. And then, um, and the third thing I would say, which I we were talking about earlier is structure and routine. Uh, they have, they're very disciplined about their structure and routine. Now you gotta be careful with that because you don't want to burn out. You don't right. want to over, you don't want to overtrain, but they're, they're very consistent about like you take, um, uh, like the, um, the Warriors, Golden State Warriors, um, Steph Curry, right. uh, you know, the amount of time he practices shooting three-pointers, three pointers, it's, it's insane. He does it so he can, you know, so many times he can do it in his sleep. So it's um, having that, that discipline of, um, of being able to stick to a routine and a training plan. Um, so those, I would say, the top three things that come to mind. Um, again, like that fire, that drive, the second thing being resilient, being able to, to bounce back after a defeat. And then the third thing is just being very disciplined with your routine, your structure. Now you find that some people in the business world or a lot of people in the business world or any world, 
mm-hmm. are very competitive in their calling. Yeah. Um, when I was an athletic equipment manager, I was very competitive. Mm-hmm. You know, I did I didn't like run up to people and say, in your face, I did such and such before you did. Yeah. But they could tell that, you know, I wanted to like um, get things done and mm-hmm. move on to the next. Yeah. Um, in that setting, can somebody um, burn out? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. I think it comes from what I was talking about with uh, the resiliency. So if you're competitive and you're, you're enjoying it and you want to up your game in whatever profession or whatever you're in, um, if you experience a loss or like you're, you're trying and you, your idea falls flat or you lose an account or something like that, that resiliency of just continuing to march forward, like not taking the loss personally, right? Um, I think that's, you can avoid burnout that way. So that's, that's really, I think the biggest trait there is just being very resilient, um, staying the course, not not quitting, not giving up. You know. Now, in that case, you have people who are just sticking to it, sticking to it, and sticking to it. Mm-hmm. But uh, one thing I've noticed in the past year, and you know, age maybe pay, plays a part in this, is mm-hmm. we have a lot of prominent coaches who are leaving the college uh, fields in courts because the world of college athletics keeps changing and keeps changing. You know, it's one, it went from uh, where coaches and administrators had total control to now almost to the athletes call the shots. Mm-hmm. Um, would that be a cause for a lot of people like a coach K or uh, uh Coach uh, Williams, who was at North Carolina, and others to finally just throw their hands up and go, nope, I'm out. I've mm-hmm. had enough. <laughs> uh-huh. With so. That, go ahead. No, I was going to say, so your, your question is like, is um, is a change in structure right. in sports causing some coaches to, to leave or be? Yeah. Uh, possibly, you know, possibly. I think um, – Certainly, uh, the thing about you think about leadership is that you got to trust the coach. You got to trust the leader. And I, I think that um, there can be, there has been problems with coaches that are uh, don't don't have really good principles, who are able to do their own thing in, in the kind of on in the shadows. And I think especially with uh, with college sports, they're worried about. Uh, they're worried about that. Um, but at the same time, you, when you hire a coach, you, you got to really vet them. Well, you can't be just thinking about, uh, their record. Uh, what are their characteristics? What are their morals and principles? Um, and then trusting them as a leader to do their thing without micromanaging them. Um, I think, uh, it's, it's tough to trust, but if you do and you get a, a good coach, they could do great things if you let them do it yeah i just i see the um in a lot of ways the coaching world is becoming more of a young man's game and uh more of a more relatable than you know standing on top and saying do it do it my way or do it this way do it you know it's it's uh it's not. It's less authoritative and more like, "Hey, we're all going through this journey together, and I'm here to help and guide mm-hmm. you." Yeah. Um, is that probably the approach to have going for uh, forward in sports? Well, it comes. I mean, you can have coaches who are very authoritative, and if their intentions are for their athletes and not for themselves that's going to that's going to come through in the overall culture of that team so you can have different styles you know like a a bobby knight or something like that maybe he's not the best example but um (laughs) if you have uh if you have a coach whose intentions are for the betterment and growth of his or her athletes that's really what matters um and so that comes from different styles it could be more a coach will even let certain people on the team 
um, just like some sub leadership or a lot of, a lot of feedback or a lot of a lot of times when everyone talks and speaks up and there's other coaches who are more authoritative uh, but but again it's it's really the intention of the coach like are you are you there to help your athletes um, and help them grow or are you there for fame uh, to get the spotlight to to climb the ladder and I think that that comes out pretty quickly and I think um, players will know what the intentions of their coach is. Um, now, I was doing a little research on you, and you have uh, something called the, the – let me see if I can get this right. Uh, five ways to play more offense in life. Can, uh-huh. you, kind of, can you kind of speak about that? Sure. So that's going back to a, a blog I wrote, and I think that was my top five. There's a number of things, so I may not remember exactly what all of those were, um, but it 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 goes it comes to again what you mentioned before of, of going on on offense. So without describing exactly from that particular blog everything I was talking about, I'll just say that the general attitude of leaning into something leaning into a problem, leaning into something scary, as opposed to retreating. Uh, certainly there's times when it is okay to retreat and regroup, recharge your batteries, but playing more offense in life is what you're talking about here is, is just mainly the attitude of leaning into a challenge, um, getting help, leaning on teammates, leaning on people, taking action as opposed to retreating. Um, so that's generally what that's about. So you, you kind of put me on the spot here for what that was five, my top five. I honestly don't remember that right now. So, yeah. Um, yeah. The, um, it was something that I wound up um, actually uh, emailing to my son. Okay. And because um, he's, he's uh, in his early 30s and he's kind of, trying to make that transition, you know, from his college years to his late twenties to now, you know, getting to your thirties and your, your priorities change and whatnot. And you had some really good, uh, really good things in there. So, um, well, I'm, I'm just Googling my article right now. So (laughs) I was was trying to also, (laughs) yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, this, these, I think at the time when I wrote this were what was mainly on my mind. Um, so yeah, so the title of the, basically the article is five ways to play offense in life. Um, and they, they all allude to leaning into the problem, taking action. Um, one of them was this, uh, there's a quote by, uh, Mark Twain who said, um, if you, if you eat a live frog every morning, nothing worse will happen to you the rest of the day. Yes, not. <laughs> All right. So I, mean, he's, I love his quotes because they're totally right. outlandish, you know. Um, but the, the, analogy, the analogy there is that if you do the hardest thing you have to do or the scariest thing you have to do for the day, like maybe there's a phone call you've been putting off, right? So instead of saying, well, I'll do it this, this afternoon when I'm more relaxed or I'll do it tomorrow, if you can – eat that frog, if you will, right? It's, uh, it gives you, it trains your brain to see that the thing that you're afraid of isn't really that big. And if you, if you handle it right away, it gives you momentum. It gives you confidence. It psychs you up like, oh, I just did that thing, that scary thing. And I did it at 8 a.m. instead of waiting for the rest of the day. So like maybe you need to talk to your boss at work right. about, about something. It's easy to put it off like, ah, he he's maybe he's busy. It's like, no, you do it right away and you get it over with. Um, and then it just it gives you this. This confidence and again, retrains, retrains your brain to um, to just lean in, go on offense more than going on, on defense, which is so, so easy to go on defense. Yeah, I, I would always tell myself in that circumstance. Let's go. Let's get it over with. And yeah, 
what can they're not going to fire you over this and if they right. do you probably shouldn't be there any, right <laughs> anyway right. so yeah but it uh, by doing that it also frees your mind and frees your day it, you, yep. you know you just you know if that was the biggest thing that's uh twisting your brain you just released yep. it and right so right and I'll, you know i also like to tell people i work with i tell this to myself too is that um uh, our brains are wired to avoid pain <laughs> so that you're with even with a lot of willpower you're fighting against you know uh, eons of evolution of uh we we don't like painful things psychologically or physically so that don't blame yourself or don't be down on yourself if you're not you know going on offense and not leaning into stuff all the time it's completely unnatural uh, but the, the good news is that if you realize it's not your fault, right, it takes away some of that self-blame and you go, oh, okay, I guess I'm human. I have this human brain that's wired to seek pleasure and avoid pain. That's interesting. How can I start to become more of the master of this wonderful machine called the human brain, right? And you can just start with little steps. So when I talked about eat the frog first, if you can do something at the beginning of the day that gets that momentum going, that's maybe not overwhelming, but just like a little bit scary. Like, hey, I have to write. I've been putting off this email. Let me write the draft and save the draft of the email. Oh, wow, that wasn't so bad, right? Or if you're trying to get back on an exercise program, you don't have to show up at the gym and get a trainer right away. You can walk at you know 7 a.m., walk for 10 minutes around the block outside. You come back, you go, wow. You know, I feel much more confident. I got that out of the way and it just gets the ball rolling. So my point being basically is that you are in a way uh, fighting against your brain and the wiring and you, it, so it's not your fault, but it is your fault. <laughs> it's kind of like, the, that's the, that's the thing to, to realize is that you can create new habits. The, the, the brain is very, very malleable. And if you start to do little steps in the direction of the way you want to go, uh, your brain will follow. Um, there's this uh, study that came out, I think a couple years ago, this is something you can Google, it's called like University of London study on habits. Um, and they did this really long uh, term study with a lot of subjects about how long it takes a new habit to become a, your new default. And it was about two months. So that's something to think about too, and that the the brain gets trained for um, a new routine, and it takes about two months. So that if you're trying to do something new, uh, don't blame yourself. Don't feel frustrated. Like it takes literally two months to kind of get get the ball rolling. Yeah, I've been uh, in a new position at work now for about four months, and the first two months it was just like I was working in quicksand because it was mm -hmm. like i would forget this step or i would do yes. wouldn't do that step and then the next day i'd wake up and it'd be like so locked on the steps that messed up that i get those right but then i wouldn't i would mm -hmm. forget something else yeah yeah and it was and it, yeah that that's that's literally that's your that's your brain so one of the big things i'm into is just um like the observer mind or the witness where you're able to under, look at these sort of phenomenon mechanisms that are going on in your brain. And you find yourself like in, in your case, like, oh, I forgot to do this or I didn't, that was hard to do. That is just new uh, neural pathways that you're carving out in your brain. That's what's going on. So it's not, it's not you, it's just the, the vessel that you live in. Sort of like if you're the driver of a car, right? Something like that. Um, so that's, I'm a big proponent of looking at yourself, your identity, um, not as your brain and your body, but more of like your will and your spirit and that it's, you're not fighting against, but you have to deal with the limitations of your mind, mm -hmm. um, and your body, you know, how would people fear or not fear, but, um, mm -hmm. how would they do if, um, they would remind themselves of one simple term that me and my supervisor at work tell each other constantly, which is you're only human. You're going to yeah. mess up. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. 
Yeah, that's that's a great mantra, and it's, you got to be careful with that because some people can use that as as an excuse for maybe not pushing themselves. Right. No. Right. And not that you have to push yourself, but let's say that you let's say that you have your own business or something, um, or you're trying to you want to get promoted at work, or you feel like you want to grow at work, or do something where you you need to to push yourself a little bit. Saying you're only human can be used as a crutch, but at the same time. It's a great mantra to not be a perfectionist, to right. for, forgive yourself for the way that you're wired. Um, so if you use that in the right way, it can really, um, really help you. So, yeah. So in this country where we want to be number one and all mm-hmm. of those things, uh, can the, the reach for perfection be an issue? Because we are having a lot of uh, young college athletes who are sadly to say killing yeah. themselves yeah because they they the, the search for uh perfection was so that mm-hmm. it just drove them to a point they couldn't live anymore yeah yeah it's it's a it's it's a big problem and i think you're referring to there was um a number of uh suicides of uh, college athletes uh, pretty recently right um, which is uh, very concerning um perfectionism yeah it it is is definitely an issue and i'll bring it back to leadership um certainly you can some of the factors of uh sort of the pandemic that adds to it social media you can talk about the new norm of uh high school students getting like a 4.7 GPA and being getting up at 4 a.m. and going to bed at you know midnight. You can, you can talk about all those factors and they're legitimate in terms of pressure and perfectionism. But I want to bring it back to leadership. Um, if you're a teacher or if you're a coach or at your job, whatever you do, there's a, at some point there is a, a leadership type of opportunity or role that you serve. And if, if you can understand that it's your responsibility to impart a message of, yeah, you're only human and it's, let's play the long game. Let's not, let's not try to, you know, win, win everything. Let's not try to be inhuman and get four hours of sleep and do these ridiculous things. Um, So if the leader can say that, in the context of some of these other societal challenges, um, I think that's one of the big solutions. Do you have any idea where this stress is to be perfect is coming from? Hmm. Well, I think it's 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 human nature in in, in a way um, to be uh, to be competitive, uh, but I think it's been you know the perfectionism. Perfectionism has been growing. Um, a lot of it, a lot of it has to do with just the the the, the like peer group culture. Um, well, it makes me think. So I, I was a um, I was a counselor in a high school for a number of years before I had my private therapy practice, mm-hmm. and I would just be really kind of astounded at some of the schedules that the kids had. Um, of you know being in two sports and being in you know three clubs and getting a four you know four point five or whatever GPA and and having that being accepted as somehow healthy or okay and they're you know literally getting you know four hours of sleep um, that it's, it's something where when someone sets the bar or someone ups the ante. And that's seen as okay. Then, then everyone follows that. So you got to be careful with the the fine line between pushing yourself and being competitive, and and doing something that's just really unhealthy. Um, and again, JB, I'll take it back to leadership. You know, you you can if you have a coach that says, hey, uh, like college athlete or high school, oh, you got a big exam coming up. Great. Let's let's let me give you some some slack here. Oh, you want to miss a, a meet or a game? No problem. I understand you got some stuff going on, right? Mm-hmm. Um, being flexible that way, 
the, if the, the leader can be really learn how to to spot that and um, and that that brings me also to something I was I was thinking about before our, our talk here what which is more training for coaches more training for teachers uh, education for parents sure. all around around mental health and um, and I think that's just so important because as, as a leader you really have the opportunity to to help to help people who may be buying into this perfectionism or buying into comparison syndrome on you know on social media and so you can you can push back against that by just being a, a good leader and and giving people some slack and flexibility now as we've had this conversation we've talked about structure yeah uh can too much structure bring on those stressors also? Because I was thinking about the normal athlete's day. Mm-hmm. Get up, maybe eat something, go work mm-hmm. out, go to class, team meetings, maybe eat something. <laughs> um, uh-huh. uh, more classes, come back, yeah. uh, have pra- team practice, mm-hmm. uh, get dinner. Go to mm-hmm. study table, and yeah. then the pressure of being also being social. On yeah. top of that, you know your yeah. friends want to pull and tug on you. Can too much structure cause uh, issues? Also, sure. Like if we're talking about structure in terms of scheduling, right? right? So, yeah, you know, structure is great in that it can give you um, a reliable thing to lean on so you're not you're not stressing about hey, what do I have to do today but at the same time if your schedule is so packed that it's there's not even enough time to sleep obviously that's a problem so you got to think about structure in terms of sustainability um, so if you're if you're pushing yourself in whatever endeavor it can it can be okay to kind of push the needle a bit but maybe only for a week or a couple of days and again, like you said, you're only human, right? You have to sleep, you have to hydrate, you have to think about nutrition. Socializing is essential for human beings. We're social creatures, all of that. Um, so I would say if your structure and schedule is sustainable, fine, right? And you can even push push yourself if you got that drive um, to, you know, maybe for a week or a couple of days, but overall your structure has to be sustainable and you got and you do macro structure too, so that you schedule in, um, you know, monthly two days off, or you schedule in a vacation every couple of months, or uh, you know, couples in their marriage they schedule a date night um, regularly, depending on what they feel good about. But so having that the micro the the daily structure and also macro structure, like what am I doing every six months, every uh, you know three months to recharge myself. Um, I think that's important too. Yeah, I would every once in a while when the athletes had a day off, yell at them for being in the complex <laughs> because uh-huh. it's like, <laughs> yeah, get away from here. There's right? a reason why you were given a day off. You know, yeah. you don't need any more hitting. You don't need any more right. throwing. You don't need any more laps. You don't. You what yeah. you need is to get away from here. And they right. all looked at me like I was crazy because they've. <laughs> Since they were 12 years old, all the thing they've known is to go work out. Yeah. And then go to school and yep. then go work out. And it's mm-hmm. like, you yep. know, there's times where I will tell myself, I got nothing scheduled and I'm not mm-hmm. scheduling anything today. Mm-hmm. And see, yeah. and see what happens. Yeah. Yeah. Be- and I, and I would say, uh, schedule in the days off, schedule in the lazy day, schedule in the uh, sleep in day. Um, that's an interesting experiment because a, a lot of people will just sort of default like, oh, I'm, I'm maxed out. I'm going to sleep in. I'm, I'm maxed out. I got to take a vacation. Um, so in terms of that structure, if you can actually realize your 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 humanness and say, yeah, I'm, I need a break here. I need a break and schedule in some of those lazy days and things like that. That's an interesting thing to try. I mean, even a, a, a good diet or dietitian gives you a cheat day. Yep. yep. 
Yeah, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> because, you know, dieting can be stressful. Sure. And, you know, and that kind of leads to my next question is, are we doing a good job of teaching young people, especially, but each other in, in general, how to take the pressure off and release the pressure? Um, I don't think we are, um, especially, uh, say with, with youth. So in high school, academic achievement, sports, um, I think that we're, we're, again, we're getting more awareness of, of the pressures and some mental health issues, but there's still this sort of unspoken thing or people don't want to speak up. There's a stig, actually a, like a stigma around, um, asking people uh, if they're okay or a stigma around challenging the status quo. So if this, the culture at the, at, the, at the high school or college or the sport or the company you work for or whatever the culture is where you're, the peer group norms are such that it's, everyone's working on a burnout schedule, mm-hmm. um, it's pretty hard to, number one, convince yourself that it's okay to challenge that to go against the grain. And then it's really scary to bring that up to the peer group (laughs) because as humans, we're, we're also wired for um, being approved by our peer group. That's huge. That's huge. You don't want to be kicked out of the tribe. So uh, uh, that's, we're not doing enough to address some of the, the unhealthy, I'll call it, you know, toxic is a buzzword these days, but it, it does apply. Sometimes you can have a toxic workplace where it's just you're supposed to answer emails at midnight or something like that to, ah, gosh, to, to address that at the leadership level when you're not a leader is, is takes a lot of courage. Sometimes it can backfire. Um, but I say, number one, address it within yourself and, and say, you know, is this sustainable? That's really the big word. Can I sustain this over the long haul? Um, and, or is this going to lead to burnout? or some sort of mental health issues down the road. Yeah, I have to be careful. I um, I can accrue vacation hours that that we don't lose at the end of the year. Yeah. But I can max out, and all of a sudden it's like, oh, I'm at that point. I think I need to get mm-hmm. out of here. <laughs> and, yeah, yeah. And it's like – and but it's hard for somebody who's who was raised to, you know, mm-hmm. work – and be when work hard and be competitive yeah. and yeah and strive to be the best you can be and all those things yeah um have like i said i have to remind myself how to release mm. that pressure valve yeah and, and do things that i find th- that may relax me mm-hmm. um yeah. what are and uh, there's probably a million of, of them but what are the things people can do to to take that pressure off? I think one of the things to think about is just perspective. So if you're, if, if, if you're driven, you push yourself. Um, if you, if you look at all the hard work you've put in all that you've built, whatever, whatever game it is. So we're talking sports school. Um, if you work for a company, if you have your own business, whatever it is, and it's like an endeavor, a career or some sort of big thing you're doing, um, if you look at sort of a graph, if you took like a longitudinal graph over the last maybe for you couple of years and you looked at it and you, you notice like, oh, it's been steadily going up. There's been steady growth in a healthy direction, not these huge spikes in growth, not huge dips. But if I looked at charted out every single day and, you know, productivity day by day and I put it on a big graph over years, there'd be ups and downs, and that's normal, kind of like, you know, like the stock market or something like that, um, and it's it's growing, and that's what you want to look at. So I would say have people, you know, focus on growth. Are you, are you generally speaking, growing and advancing in what you're doing? If that's what you want to do, maybe you don't want to do that, but if you do want to, are you doing it, are you playing the long game? Are you doing it so that's sustainable, that you're growing? And is the graph, if we graphed it out generally, 
generally speaking, going up. So that way you don't say, oh, I, you know, I took a day off. Uh, it's we're back to square one now. It's like, no, you've been building this thing brick by brick. Mm -hmm. The bricks, the bricks don't go away. So that's, you know, just that overall long, long term perspective can be helpful. Uh, can diet or exercise also play a part in re releasing that pressure? Oh, absolutely. For sure. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, it, what's, what's going on in your brain and your body is all these chemicals and neurotransmitters and hormones are going on at any one. So we're really very biochemical creatures. So, you know, for me, I, I grew up with, with sports. I've, uh, I don't know, every day I do a little something. And if I skip like a couple days of exercise, man, do I notice it. Mm -hmm. I just, I feel grumpy. Mm -hmm. I feel, you know, I'm just not myself. And that's, that's biochemical. Like it's partially to do with a little bit of, you know, uh, mental confidence, but it's just the, the things are just off. Um, so yeah, uh, exercise, a diet. Yeah. You don't want to be, you know, pounding down a bunch of sugary soda and things like that, that puts you, puts you out of whack. Um, yeah. You, and hydration too is one thing. Um, I think people don't hydrate enough, generally right. speaking. Um, that is, is very important for, for brain health, body health, just overall stress levels too. Yeah. I would, I constantly try to tell my son, I don't tell him what workout plan to do or what, uh, what to do, mm -hmm. but I keep trying to tell him to do something. Because he's, yeah. you know, he went from a three-sport high, uh, high school athlete to um, to basically he hit college and he stopped. Mm -hmm. He didn't um, continue on with anything, and and I told him I said your body reacts to that, and everything yeah. starts to slow down and. And um, you don't have that pressure, you know, that pressure release yeah. that your body's used to. And I definitely notice when I don't, like, say mm -hmm. I go three days without a walk or a long run or something or go going out yeah. and playing baseball or something, I can definitely tell it's like it's time for me to go do something because I'm bouncing yeah. off the wall and I'm irritable and, you know, cranky. Yeah. And so... This has been a very interesting discussion on many different levels. Uh, as we wrap up here, is there any final thoughts you would like to say to the audience or ways that they can uh, reach you or look up your information? Yeah, JB, it's, it's been a pleasure. Um, really enjoyed the conversation. And uh, I was listening to some of your podcasts, um, the prior ones, and it's, uh, I like what you're doing. Thank um, you. Yeah. <laughs> I will say that, you know, it's kind of the theme, I don't know, that maybe came out of this was one thing that you said, which is uh, offense, mm -hmm. which is not necessarily like an aggressive dominating thing, but leaning into right. some of the difficulties of life. If you lean in um, and you tell people and like friends or family that, hey, I need some help with this problem. Um, once you start doing it, it's not as hard as you thought. Um, even stuff that's really kind of scary. So I think offense, going on offense in that way, I think leadership is something also we talked about, which is huge, is that um, lead, leaders have a lot of uh, responsibility. And if they're able to be humble and able to focus on the growth of the people they're leading, that's a good thing. Um, the other thing I think is accountability. If you can uh, create structure where you're accountable to somebody or a social group. That's going to give you some good habits there. Um, in terms of where people can can reach me, um, probably the, the the website that has this most comprehensive is uh, is SeelyCounseling.com. So it's my last name Seely, which is spelled C E E L Y Counseling. Um, I have some subpages there for a lot of different things. It focuses on men's mental health. Um, they have a page for athletes on there, and you can you know, check out more of my philosophy and kind of what we were talking about. 
Well, I really, again, really appreciate this conversation. It's a timely one. We're in, uh, we're in, we are in May. We're in Mental Health Month, and also I want to thank you for the kind words and actually listening to my podcast before you came on yeah. too. So I, I think it's it's good stuff. So keep keep going. Yeah, thank you. Yeah. All right. Well, this has been Michael Seeley. Uh, we've been talking about um, mental health and sports psychology. Once again, how can they reach you, Michael? Yeah, so you can check out uh, cleecounseling.com. You can also uh, find me on, on Instagram. I do a lot of stuff for uh, sports psychology athletes on Instagram, and that's just my name, uh, Michael underscore Seeley. Okay. Again, thank you. And ladies and gentlemen, this has been Michael Seeley here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Our summers are so short in Minnesota, it can be easy to forget about important safety measures. And when extreme heat is involved, safety is even more critical. Here are a few things to remember to keep you and your loved ones, including your pets, safe and comfortable. One, remember to not leave your pets and kids in your vehicle. Two, always stay hydrated in hot weather. Three, avoid exercise during the hottest times of the day. Four, stay in air conditioning as much as possible. Five, when traveling, stay sky aware. Check the forecast and prepare for unsafe driving conditions, thunderstorms, and tornadoes. High temperatures kill hundreds of people every year, but most heat-related deaths and illnesses are preventable. If we all slow down, take some time, check on our loved ones, and enjoy the beautiful season. I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. I hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, don't sign anything until you've talked to us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Bradshaw and Bryant. Again, I want to thank today's guest, Michael Seeley. It is May. It, it is Mental Health Month. Please check in with others. Check on others. If you notice anybody is struggling, reach out. Try to help pass the um, suicide prevention line. There are many mental health uh, outreach organizations that can be a help. We don't want to get to a point where... We believe that the only uh, solution is hurting yourself or hurting others. Reach out, get help, or like I said, help others, or just check in. You see somebody, hey, how's it going? How you feeling? Well, with that, we'll wrap up another episode here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Again, thank you for listening. You can check me out on Facebook, on uh, Twitter and Apple Podcasts. Don't forget, tell a friend, and come back for the next episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name, and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. I am Negro, Black, African American, Black, Black, Black. Django, JB. Damn, Dolomite. Great God in heaven, you know Our great Negro sex machine.